Welcome to the Hope City Drip. This is a podcast of Hope City Church here in Clinton, Iowa, where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Clinton. We know that life can be busy, it can be hectic, and so whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you have littles, or whether you're a shift worker and you work long and weird hours, whatever you do, this podcast is made for you to hear and to digest the mission and the vision of Hope City Church. It's a vision drip. And so we want you to let it drip at your own pace. You can press pause when you need to. You can rewind. You can adjust the speed. Whatever you need to do, we hope that the podcast is designed to help you live for the glory of Jesus and for the joy of your local community. And my name is Nick Powell. I'm pastor at Hope City Church. And on this week's episode, I want to talk about uh, the congregation as family. And one of the one of the reasons why I want to talk about this is that I was, you know, I as a church planter, one of the things that you think about a lot, or at least I do, is um, the reasons why people switch churches. So um, inevitably, when a new church is started and established, um, folks will um, join that church who have previously been a part of a different church community. Um, sometimes people call this transfer, uh, transfer growth. Um, sometimes this is called transplanting, which is a very generous word. Um, but also there's uh, a phrase called church hopping. Uh, so there's two ways in which uh, people leave one church to go to another. Um, one is a bad, one are bad ways and others are um, good ways. So like there's good reasons and bad reasons to leave a particular church. Let me just for the sake of being obvious uh, and for clarity, a good reason to leave your church is if the church um, no longer um, believes in the scriptures as God's word. Um, If your um, pastor um, is preaching sermons that have nothing to do with Jesus, um, nothing to do with the gospel. And if in general your church life is completely void of life that comes from, um, God's word being the driving force. So that, so that would be like one way, like, okay, if it's not even like, that's not even a church anymore. Um, it's just basically a club. So that would be a good reason to leave a church is if you're, it's no longer a church now, and for the sake of obvious sake, um, a bad reason to leave a church, bad reason to leave a church would be, uh, Hey, you know, I'm just looking for something a little bit, uh, like, Maybe, maybe the coffee. I want the coffee to be better. I went into this new church and it just, it smelled nice. And the guest visitor connection table gave me some gifts and man, I just felt great about it. The, 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 the coffee's better here and the seats are comfier. Those are obvious reasons why. Not that those are bad in and of themselves. I'm not saying we should have uncomfortable seats, but you know, those are not reasons to leave your church. Now, The question is like, why does that feel so weird? Why does church hopping feel so gross? I think that's one of the things I've been praying about and asking God about because I think um, the tendency to church hop, and just to be clear, this tendency is in my heart. uh, The tendency to church, it's just harder for me because I'm a a lead pastor. Like I can't church hop because I got my, this. you know, it's kind of the thing I'm doing. So church hopping feels gross because... The congregation, the local church congregation is 
Um, something is a, is a community that is deeper. It's not a superficial thing. Um, it's a place of belonging that goes much, much deeper than um, the superficial reasons why, um, for example, people um, choose a different grocery store or um, make any other consumer choice. You make a consumer choice to buy a certain product over a different product. It goes down to like practicals, like, well, this one's closer to my house and the prices are cheaper. And, um, you know, I, I like the, I like the way it feels in the store. Um, you know, it's like, why would you listen to one band over another? Why do you buy a certain band's album and not another band's? Like it's cause there's, it's all sorts of reasons, but they're consumer reasons. Um, there are no bonds that hold you to belong to a grocery store. For example, um, you go there because it serves a need and you, you pay for their service. Um, but once it no longer functions to serve that, you can, you're free to go while the church community is something different. Like we know this just instinctively. You don't even have to like be able to articulate this. It just feels different. Um, the bonds that tie people to a congregation feels a little bit less superficial than the bond that ties you to Aldi. Um, well, maybe that's a bad example because there's some dedicated Aldi people out there. Um, let's say the bond that ties you to Walmart. And so what I, what I want to do is I just want to go real quick through um, what I think is the theological foundation for why the congregation is a family. And I'm, and I'm hoping, um, this is my prayer, is that if you're listening to this, uh, you are given a wider, more um, beautiful view of what it means to belong to a local church. Um, at Hope City Church, we strive for our congregation congregation to be a place of genuine um, familial belonging, like deep relationships. To put it straightforward, one of our values is community, and we want to do community well. We want to do community um, in a deep way that manifests the love of God. And in order to do that, we have to understand why um, the church exists as a family. And so the theological foundation for that is adoption, the doctrine of adoption. And, you know, I was, it's funny, I was looking through, um, uh, I have, I have a copy of Calvin's Institutes. I, I like John Calvin. I think he's an incredible theologian, but you know, to be totally honest, I've never read through all of the Institutes. It's a huge book. Um, I just, I try sometimes I just can't get through it. And so I Googled like anybody does any modern person. I Googled, uh, where in Calvin's Institutes does he talk about adoption? And I was like, and the, and the articles that I found were like, actually, um, Calvin's Institutes, it's like one of the th central themes that ties that book together is the doctrine of adoption because it's so central to the heart of the gospel and the heart of God. So uh, I think it's important for us to understand adoption, because, not just to see our congregation um, the way that God wants us to see it, but to see God the way that he wants us to see him. And so this is a gospel issue and it's a God issue. So uh, one of the places that it's most explicitly rooted in, uh, the doctrine of adoption, is Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. So I'm going to pull that up. I'm reading this from the ESV. Ephesians, let's see. You know, I'm on my phone. 
because I think it's going to be faster and it just never is. Okay. It says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So Paul is talking about two different people. Uh, He's talking about two different groups of people, Jews and non-Jews. And he's talking to the non-Jews in saying, um, you were alienated from God and his promises because God has been um, preserving and shaping and forming a community a community of belonging. Um, And in the Old Testament, that's the community of Israel. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus radically changes things. And uh, the gospel message is that there is a seat at the table and there is a place of belonging for all um, ethnicities, all cultures, all peoples. Um, And Jesus makes that possible. And so Paul is trying to trying to tell the the Gentiles, the non-Jews that like, look, you belong and all of the promises that God has made to his people apply to you as well because you have faith in Jesus. So I'm gonna keep reading. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So what kills the hostility? Christ's death on the cross. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens This is the really important part. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So there's a lot there. I mean, Paul's like very uh, wordy in, in describing this to the church. But base, the basic idea, um, what you hear a lot in that passage is that there once was separation. And that's like described by a lot of people as the primary problem of humanity is that we are separated from the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, there's peace, wholeness, joy, pleasures forevermore. And in the garden, we know this, right? This Genesis story is that through man's uh, sin and disobedience and rebellion, we are kicked out of the presence of God. And so the problem is, is that there's humans that are not in um, this unifying um, uh, wholeness giving relationship with God. And so Christ's work on the cross, uh, it unifies God and man. So that's, Paul's trying to say that, but it doesn't, it not only reconciles um, us to God, it reconciles us to one another. So all those that place their faith and trust in Jesus 
are not only unified in the presence of Christ, we are unified um, meaningfully with one another through the presence of Christ. So unity in Christ unites us together. The church community um, is knit together by the, the Spirit of God. And in Romans 8, Paul calls this the spirit of adoption. So in Ephesians 2, Paul uses the language of household. And in Romans 8, he uses the language of adoption. So really what he's saying, what we know that the New Testament teaches is that the local church is a family because Christ has purchased us into his family. Through the death of Christ, he's brought us near to himself and to one another. So we are um, together a family. And not only that, the presence of God dwells with us like as it's described as a temple. So not only is God with you individually in your heart, um, he's with us corporately. He's with us when we gather together. So in a strange, mysterious way, Christ is present with us um, in our individual devotional lives, but also when we gather together as a family. And so this is why a lot of times the church is often called uh, our first family because it transcends our family of origin, like our earthly family of origin with our uh, born ethnicity, our born into culture. Um, so whether you're Jew, whether you're American, you know, Caucasian, whatever like descriptor, wherever you were born, black, white, yellow, red, anybody, whatever, um, you are included in the family of God um, by virtue of Christ's work on the cross. What separated you, sin that separated you from God is no longer um, separating you because Christ put that to death on the cross. So that's huge. It's, it's, it's big. Like this is, there's so much that we could say about uh, adoption, you know, God's love for us. He, that's why Paul calls him dad. Um, you know, God the Father is our dad because this isn't, this adoptive, uh, adopted relationship is like a, a, is a close family. Um, and so we're close to God like we are a dad, like a loving dad, one who wants to see his kids flourish and be happy. And so uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family. And what this does, uh, it, to go back to kind of the first thing I was talking about, why it feels so gross um, to treat the church as a consumer place, is that uh, this really does challenge our, our consumer individualistic culture. Um, it challenges, like, like I, think of, I think of a conversation I had with, um, I've had a few conversations with my grandma. And uh, I would be fourth generation. Um, I'm, the, I, I'm the fourth generation to grow up in my church that I, that I grew up in here in Clinton. And um, I remember having some of the, first conversations with my family members and my grandma in particular about church planting. And my grandma loves God and she loves the church. And, but my grandma, she, she understands instinctively that the church family is a family. Like there's a, a Jason Isbell song that says, um, it never did occur to me to leave. Like that mindset. It just doesn't occur to my grandma to shop for another church. You know, she wouldn't say, well, I'm kind of tired of, kind of tired of this church because the, you know, I'm tired of singing these songs or whatever. Like the, the superficial 
things like my grandma doesn't look at the church as a, as a consumer product. Um, she looks at it as a at, looks at it as a family, and you would never like sit at Thanksgiving dinner with your family and go, "Dad, I don't like the way that you put those, you know, tea lights on the table for decoration." That's crap. I'm going to actually belong to a different family next year for Thanksgiving. This doesn't make any sense because it's not the same category. Church is not a product. And so uh, this also challenges the, uh, the doctrine of adoption, challenges um, the idolization of the nuclear family unit. Now, this one, this one for other people is like the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, the teeter-totter tips the other direction. So one direction is somebody doesn't value family whatsoever in the church, and they treat it as a consumer product. Well, some people build their whole understanding of the church around their particular nuclear family, which is an interesting way to do it. And so this would be like people that say, all right, all right, at the end of the day, the most important thing is my flesh and blood family. And so I am going to prioritize my little piece of real estate in my little house with my little family and everybody else can at the end of the day, you know, screw off. Like this is my first priority. Well, they don't need to be pitted against each other. The church family and your biological family do not to be pitted against each other. But here's the thing, Luke 14:26, Jesus says if you have to choose, you choose the church family. He says, "If you those that don't hate their brother and their mother and their father and sister, if you're not willing to leave your biological family for the sake of following Christ, then you can't follow Christ. Um, and so, you know, this really hits more home towards people that are from born into families that don't know Jesus. And you know, if you're if you uh, if you have like a member of a family, especially especially like a Muslim family, like in another other countries." You have a daughter, let's say, who um, ends up believing in Jesus. Well, the father's not going to allow that. It's not, it's not an option. And so Jesus is saying, you need to get out. You need to follow Christ. And, and this really illustrates the point perfectly because that person is leaving their support structure, their entire support structure. In other countries, they grasp this better than we do, um, is that their family support structure is everything. And so if they leave that, they don't have support and belonging that helps them survive in life. And the radical um, message of Christ um, as it relates to community is that you are now in a new family, a place where you can belong and a place that is a community of love. And so this is where it goes into um, a third point here is that one of the ways in which this is lived out, I think the way in which the identity of, of the church as a family is lived out is in the particulars of the local congregation. So in the ordinary minutiae, day-to-day life of the local church, congregation, very underwhelming um, particulars and specifics of people in place in our local congregations. I think this is where this lived out. And where I get that is John, the gospel of John. We have a story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And after he washes their feet, he says to them pretty clearly that this is... um, I love, this is how I'm demonstrating my love to you. 
And you ought to go and do likewise. Go, and this is how you ought to love one another. And later on in John's gospel, Jesus promises to, um, if they walk in obedience to this call to love one another, he will manifest himself to them. And you see how that dovetails in with Ephesians 2? That this promise that in Christ, God will be present with his people, not just individually, but will be present with them as they're gathered together um, in the context of real life, flesh and blood, love. Christ promises to manifest himself to his people. And so um, really, to put it straightforwardly, if you want to experience the presence of Christ to its fullness, this must be done in community. And so uh, as Bonhoeffer points out in his little book, Life Together, community is an incredible privilege. I mean, there's people that, there's Christians that get imprisoned for their faith. There's Christians um, that get excommunicated by their family and their culture for their faith. There's people that are in other countries doing um, overseas mission work to tell people about the gospel of Jesus who don't have access to a robust, gathered community of believers. And yet, we do. We do in the States, in Iowa, in Clinton. There are local congregations that have organized for years around the basic um, command of Jesus to love one another, to love one another, because this is at the heart of the gospel is that God has drawn near to us in love and we are to draw near to one another in love. And so the local congregation is a family and that, that uh, relationship, that community is the, is the incubator. Um, it's, it's the place in which faith works itself out in real life. You know, like this isn't an abstract idea. Like it's not, God's not just a notion. We experience the presence of God in flesh and blood community. And so um, my encouragement to you, um, hopefully we have some Hope City folks listening to this and, and maybe there's some other people listening to this that um, don't go to Hope City Church. Uh, my prayer for you is that you would um, be uh stirred in your heart and your affections to um, go to your community, your church community, and to love it, like to see it as the way God sees your church community, as a radical place of belonging, a place in which Christ has paid the ultimate sacrifice. He's died on the cross to um, pay for your reconciliation with one another. And that place, man, if we live into that identity, um, we will experience the presence of God in ways that we maybe never have. Maybe we've never done that. Maybe we've always seen the church as a consumer um, service, you know? You know, I don't know. I don't like, I know that I was guilty of this, um, especially when I was like 19 and 20. Uh, I'm 31 now. And I remember 10 years ago, the way that I thought about church was primarily what it had to offer me. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and so we treat it like a, like a coffee shop, like it's got goods and services to render. When in reality, it's a family. And the, and the service rendered, so to speak, the transaction that makes that possible is not you tithing. It's not the church putting on a cool performance. It's Christ on the cross. 
That's the transaction and the exchange that makes our community a radical place of belonging, a place of family. And so um, press into that, lean into that, um, find a local church, belong to it. And the promise is, is that God is there. That is where God is. And most of the time, I will say uh, 90% of the time, your um, belonging to that family will be pretty underwhelming and ordinary, just like your family of origin. Um, most of the time, it's just sort of wallpaper, right? And I know that doesn't sound very encouraging. Like most of the time, it's the normal stuff of life, like meals and conversation and, you know, those types of things where you're like, okay, is this really doing anything? There's nothing fast and famous about a family, but there's relationship there. And that is at the heart of the gospel, is relationship and love. And so um, join the local church, belong to the local church, serve it with vigor, and, and, and see it for what it is, which is a family. So whether you're, you're listening to this um, as a member of Hope City or if you're, you're not, um, we just hope that this podcast serves to help enchant your imagination to the vocation of Christ, that it's a lifestyle. Following Jesus is an entire way of life and that you would be empowered by the Spirit to live for the glory of Jesus and the joy of your local community.